What's up, y'all? Weecho and Ray here. I'm Weecho. I'm Ray. Today, we're going to be talking about Hollow Knight. It's going to be uh, the first part of two. Oh, yeah. And the second part, we're going to be... I'm going to lead off that episode with Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. So if you're looking forward to Bloodstained, we're going to have that next week. Should be on Saturday. That's going to be... I'm, I'm going to throw that shit to QB1 to Ray for next week. He's going to tell us all we need to know. Hell, yeah. I love that game, by the way. I also love Hollow Knight. Man, a, a lot of people do. This game... Is kind of ridiculous. Started off as a Kickstarter game in November of 2014. You know what wow. the original goal was for their fundraiser? Uh, no, thirty-five thousand Australian dollars. Okay, thirty-five. Oh, they're Australian. That no wonder they're so cool. Yeah, they come from uh, Adelaide, South Australia. Okay, I didn't know there was a North or South. I don't know how that works. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? South Australia. Yeah, but you don't know that there's a North and a South. If there's a North I mean, of something, there's a South of something. I, I when I was researching it, they it kind of seemed like you know there's uh, actually you know what there's North U.S. South you know, whatever man exposed I'm a, I'm a moron <laughs> but they ended up making fifty seven thousand dollars or fifty seven thousand one hundred thirty eight dollars to be exact off of two thousand one hundred and fifty eight backers. Okay, let's go. I, I'm just like think about that shit, right? How much do games make nowadays? This was unproven, though. So, uh, at, you know, at the time, like I was about to say, it, video games has been a billion-dollar industry for almost 10 years now. Think about that, dude. We grew up when it was lame. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, if you were playing video games, you were... Bullied. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know. You, uh, yeah. Something I like mean, that. it wasn't harsh bullying. It's not like, you know, they're fucking sticking your feet with burning coals or anything. But it's like... It's like, oh, you play Mario? You're a loser. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, man. It just it kind of blew my mind when I was reading this because they made that game with 57,000 Australian dollars. So it was like 100,000 US. Is that how that works? Uh, I don't know the exact exchange rate, but it's it's crazy. I think it's lower because, or I don't know about back then, but I know nowadays we pay sixty bucks for a game; they pay like a hundred or one twenty or some oh, shit like ew, that. That's gross. So I'm assuming it's actually below that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't exchange rates are weird. I'm not. I'm not a math guy. Neither am I. So there's just gonna be no. There's no math in this pod. There'll, there'll good. be none of it. But this game was made in a game jam. Right? Have you heard of a game jam? Yes, it's where they get a, a small amount of time and they get developers and they just kind of like jam a game together. Hell yeah. This was off the Ludum Dare. Okay. And it's it's like you, like you explained right now. A couple days, 48 to 72 hours, where you make a game based off a theme that they present to you. The first game that they made, or that they, the, the game that they made for that game jam was called Hungry Night, which... Is actually on new grounds, and you play as a little little Hollow Knight. You play as the knight. You don't play. You as play the, as the knight. You don't oh, play right. as the Hollow Knight and the Hollow Knight. You don't play as the Hollow Knight, but you play as the knight. You play as the knight. Yeah. And this game, there were little bugs carrying apples, and every ten seconds, you had to kill one of these bugs, pick up an apple or whatever fruit was on its back, to refill that little health pool time limit. And if you didn't do that, you just lost. It's like half minute hero or whatever. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. I can't believe I remember that game. My God. But it was the same art style. And it was made by the by two people. Or more than two people. I think it was three. Three or four. I don't know. But it was 
the ones that ended up coming out of that were two people who were Ari Gibson, who is Australian. He was a, he's he's the co-director along okay. with William Pellin. Those are the two big names that you have to remember. William Pellin, Ari Gibson. Okay. Ari Gibson made the art style, the animation, the environments. That was him. All the bugs, or most of them at least, was Ari Gibson. Okay. And the game animated nice, right? So is he the guy that I have to blame for Deep Nest? Probably. Some they had said in development that Deep Nest was actually a lot bigger than it was supposed to be. Some bitch. Yeah. Nah, man. Nah, I don't fuck with Deep Nest. But <laughs> this guy had not made any, well, he had made some games before, but very indie shit. But he worked on films, games, music videos. He modded a lot. He was an artist. He's just a, a, a thespian, if you will. Apparently, he said, Ari Gibson, that is, his first love came from Fazanadu. Have you heard of that one? Oh, my God. Xanadu, the movie? It's the... No, 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 no. no. The, the, the game. No. Fazanadu. Fazan- no, I don't know what that is. What about Xanadu? I know the, the movie Xanadu. No, this is from a company I know you'll know. That name, Fazanadu, was licensed by Nihon Falcom. Why does that sound familiar? You know this, Ray. Get them brain juices moving. You know this. No, it's not going to come to me. East? Trails in the Sky? Oh, Legend of Heroes? my God. Okay. 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 So it was originally Dragon Slayer. And Dragon Slayer, from there, the Xanadu series came out of it. And Xanadu was a game that came as sort of like a side story or something along those lines of Xanadu. Okay. And this game is very... Uh, it's like, how can I explain it? Like Zelda 2? Kind of like Castlevania, but not as... Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. It, it's like, um, I, I know what you're talking about, where it's um, like a weird open world, like where you control the map, and then when you get... It's kind of like an RPG, where you're on the, mm-hmm. on the overworld, and then you get into a place, and then it turns into a dungeon or a town. Very much like old Final Fantasy, which I love. Yeah, and it was 2D. It was, it was a platformer. It had, you know, enemies. It's very reminiscent of Hollow Knight, obviously, because it was an inspiration. And William Pellin, he said, and you would have probably more information than me on this because I'm not really knowledgeable on older Zeldas, but he helped create the world, the lore and whatnot of Hollow Knight. But his first love of video games came from Zelda 2, where he got, where his father found him the winged boots or the boots. Yeah. Which... In Zelda 2, you get from the fourth dungeon, from what I've looked up, uh-huh. and it allows you to cross uh, the ocean or a body, a body of water to get to the fifth dungeon. Uh-huh. And I, w- I want your opinion on this, Ray, because he said that a big inspiration to Hollow Knight was this, because he didn't know what was over that body of water, and it gave him a big feeling of exploration, of uh, excitement. Oh, yeah. And that's, I know that's um, a big thing in Hollow Knight. That's a big thing in Metroidvania as a series, as a genre. And I love Metroidvania games, Super Metroid, and all of those Game Boy Advance games. I played a bunch of the Castlevania in the Metroidvania uh, lines, and that's what's always cool about those games. Like I like areas in Metroidvania that feel like lived in. They feel like they make sense. It isn't just like, oh, here's a new area, here's a new area where. When you're playing a game like Hollow Knight, Super Metroid, Symphony of the Night, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, it's one of those things where the like it feels like you're exploring 
a mystical castle. It feels like you're exploring a desolate planet and hollow Knight nails that perfectly. It feels like you're in an, uh, at the tail end of a civilization where you're, you're, you're roaming through the husk of a kingdom. And it's awesome. The, the ambiance in this game is a plus 10 out of 10. I could not have said it better. Right? Honestly, uh, I'm going to shout out these last three people or four people that helped with the game. And I want to get back to you on that exploration part because there's a really cool quote that they had. I'll get there in a bit, but there was Jack Vine. He was a team's coder. Jack Vine, shout out to him. He helped afterwards, I think. He helped with the Godmaster DLC, which was the final DLC of the first four deals or the four DLCs, which were Hidden Dreams, The Grim Troop, Lifeblood, and Godmaster. And he helped with the console releases, not necessarily the first PC yeah, release yeah, yeah. of the game. Uh, David Kazzy who was a member responsible for the technical direction of the game. He helped fix a lot of the bugs in the game, but he kind of helped just the direction the game was going. And he left in 2017 after the game was released for a corporate job. Christopher Larkin, who was a composer and helped with the sounds of the game. Great music, by the way. Oh, yeah. A plus. You remember when you get into the the City of Rain? (sighs) That track? The City of Tears. City of Tears. Shit. But it's it's always raining, right? Yeah, it's uh, raining. It's the water from Blue Lake that's above it. If you ever noticed that uh, on the map, you look at the map, and an area known as Blue Lake, which is just like a a it's just like a single tunnel that you can go across. If you pay close attention to the map, Blue Lake is above a uh, city of tears. So the not the theory, I guess it is a theory because I don't know if it's ever been confirmed. It's the water that's seeping through the ground because you remember all of Hol- all of hollow nest is underground so it doesn't make sense that it would rain underground so the blue lake is just dripping water through this uh not the ceiling but through the area it above it it's seeping through the stones or whatever and it's just dripping over the city of tears that is sick i love hollow Knight, man the game's fucking cool and last but not least matthew griffin pr marketing for hollow Knight. And apparently he also helped code the multiplayer in Risk of Rain. So, oh man, that's cool. Risk of Rain Shout 2 out to him. and Risk of Rain are great games. Risk of Rain 2. Yeah, man. We, it's, a time, it's, a, it's a time sinker, bro. Yeah, we dumped <laughs> We dumped a couple hours in that. Off the top of my head, I wouldn't be able to tell you how much, but I don't have to do that because technology. Oh, God. Risk of Rain 2, 10 hours. I got 10 hours. That's not that bad. That's probably what, like three runs? Four runs? No. <laughs> We had some short ones. Yeah, where like forty minutes or something. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna try a new character. This character sucks. This was a quote from Game Informer because they had an interview with him back in 2017 or 2018, I believe. It really stuck out to me, and I wanna I wanted to bring this quote up to you because I feel like you'd have a cool opinion on it. You know how like in Metroid and some other Metroidvanias, they kind of show you the map beforehand. Like you haven't explored it, but they show you the general like the gist of it a little bit. Kind of, but yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Uh, M- Metroid is the one that gets away with it more than uh, Castlevania. Yeah, yeah. So Metroid, yeah, because that was the main inspiration for the exploration and whatnot was Metroid. It makes sense. And the quote was, "You can't feel like an explorer if you always know where you're going." Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The um, not true. Um, I feel that. The best part of a Metroid 
is figuring stuff. Uh, Metroidvania, sorry, uh, like Hollow Knight, figuring the map out is really really cool. But sometimes, especially in Hollow Knight, towards the around like, I want to say a third through the game, the map gets a little too open ended. Like it, where it's like, I know I can go up there, but what am I missing? And then you you you'll fixate, and that that's what got me out of the game the first time because. I got a third through the game, which is like five, six hours, seven hours, maybe, depending on who you talk to. Yeah, like okay, let's say ten hours. I got ten hours into the game. I'd say ten, yeah. And I'm playing the game, and I'm fun, and I get the crystal dash, which is a really, really cool ability. And so many options opened up for me that I started to explore them one after another, but they were they were never leading to. Like, oh, you get sword upgrades, and that's really cool. Or you can upgrade this, and that's really cool. But it never led me down a story path. And I just kept I kept on running into brick walls, and it just kept on getting really annoying. And I stopped playing the game for a week or two. And then I, I got back into it, and eventually you find out, and you're like, oh! And that, that, that emotion is what makes those kind of games really fun. Where you're just like, oh, like, I got this. I can do this now. Like, like it, um really cool way in this game really early that it happens is the um uh what's it called the air dash the mantis cloak i don't remember what it's called but when you dash through the air and you're able to get to areas that you could see but couldn't get to that's like the best feeling in that game and then eventually once you get all of your movement options the game is so good this game does movement amazing by the way the cool thing about the movement right now that you bring it up was their main inspiration for the movement. They mentioned that a huge part of the game is obviously the how you control your character. And their inspiration for controlling their characters was Mega Man X. Oh, that makes sense. Just like a not walk cycle, but like the, the clip that you're that the knight walks is super like one, two, three. Like he's just moving constant. And it's really cool. It doesn't really have like a a startup because I know there's some games where like um, I know Mario gets away with this where when you walk you'll go uh, uh, and then you'll hit top speed where this game doesn't feel that way it's like as soon as you hit the button you're moving and Metroid and no sorry and Mega Man does that really well too it has no acceleration no deceleration you're able to move yourself around in the air and you can cancel stuff into dashes oh yeah Oh yeah. So that that like you talking about that really brought that whole point, you know, into the like you know brought into the picture where there's no acceleration or deceleration where Mario does have that kind of stuff. And to me, I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of that. I don't like that. I still like Mario, but I don't like dealing with the acceleration and deceleration stuff. Where I think you don't mind it. No, I think Mario does it the best because it makes sense. Like weirdly, I guess because I've I've been playing Mario for decades now, so. It makes sense. It's like you walk forward and you're like, bah, 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 and then you hit speed. And when you slow down, it, da, 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 and it's, it, it feels like natural acceleration and deceleration because humans don't walk that way. We don't immediately just start taking off as fast as we can. We have warm up and warm down periods. So Mario does it really well without it getting, um, icy, if you know what I mean. Like, uh, there's some games, that are very infamous for having very floaty, icy controls. And nobody likes that. Nobody likes ice levels in video games where you slide around. 
likes. That's thanks. They just, it's just not fun. And this game doesn't have any of that. It feels like when you get hit, it's your fault. There is no, oh man, like I didn't know I couldn't control my character. It's like, no, no, no. This game controls impeccably. And then combat is just you getting used to combat with um, recoil, which took yeah. me way longer than I care to admit to get used to. I had to use that charm, man. That I, I did too. Stops the recoil. Mm-hmm. Apparently, when they added the whole dash cancel thing, that's what they wanted the player to feel, where they wanted you to be able to dash out at any moment. So when you got hit, it felt like I got hit and I could have avoided that. Oh, yeah. So that's on me. That's not the game limiting me to I can't do anything. You can. It's just a matter of trying to react or putting yourself in a situation where you can not get shit on. Oh, you know, they, 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 how can I say this? They set that point straight immediately with uh, something that we'll probably talk about either now or later, which is the White Palace and the Path of Pain. Like the hardest part of Hollow Knight, bar none, hardest part of the game is platforming sections. Like, yeah, some of the boss fights can get pretty difficult and some of the combat trials can be pretty difficult, but the game scales so beautifully with its platforming where you never feel, uh, how can I say, you never feel like the game is throwing shit at you at random. But you don't it, feel like you're being outmatched, right? No, until, not until White Palace, until or, White Palace. In, or until Path of Pain, but those are specifically like, to get to the White Palace and to do the Path of Pain, those are like, in order to even get into those areas, you would have to have played the game a lot. That's end game content, and these are end game trials. You would and, know what you're doing by that point, right? Yeah, and they feel like end game trials, and it's awesome. Like it's frustrating, but satisfyingly frustrating. If that makes any sense, like you're just like, damn it, because it's you. Like you're the one who's messing it up, but it isn't the game throwing random bullcrap at you. They set, they give you a challenge, and whether you can do it or not is on you, not the game. So for the whole background of Team Cherry, Hollow Knight, and whatnot, that's kind of all I wanted to get through. So if you're down, I would want to talk about the White Palace and the Path of Pain since we're talking about movement and the way you control your character oh, yeah. and how you're talking about how when you die or something bad happens, it, the, the cool part is you see what you have to do, what you what is laid in front of you, like, okay, I got to get from point A to point B. And you just have to do it. Like I could do it like this. I just have to do it. You're right. And I can dash here. I'm I'm using my options. And when you're dying, when you're failing, you're not punished bad. You know, Uh, no, no, no. There's nothing, nothing worse, nothing worse than catching a death loop in one of these games where you just constantly just running into the wall over and over and over and over again because that's the stuff that drives you crazy. Path of pain. <laughs> Path of pain. So White Palace, platforming's at 10, I would say, Ray. And then when you get to Path of Pain, I don't want to say that it's turned to 11 because I feel like that isn't enough. Oh, no. It's like it's, it is a solid amount harder. It is like if... Like you say, if White Palace is a ten, this is at least a twelve or a thirteen. Like it, it's it's it ramps it up. Thank God it's only sm- it's only a small section because my God, if they put stuff in the game that wasn't optional and you had to do that, I'd have dropped the game. Path of Pain is ridiculous. It's called the Path of Pain for a reason yeah, because yeah, yeah. it hurts. It hurts so bad on the inside. Yeah, 
Would you say that they make you use all of your platforming options or mechanics to traverse it? 100%. The, the, that, that is created for the end game have all, you know, player. That's like you have every single item in the game and you think or you thought that it was too easy. Here you go. But it was unforgiving, but there wasn't anything um, insurmountable. It wasn't needlessly bullshit is the best way I can explain it. It's hard, but that's because it's designed to be hard, but it's still not unfair. It's still fair. And that's very difficult to do in platformers. I think one of the only platformers... That isn't like a mainline Mario game to do it because Mario's platform has always been chef's kiss, even early and especially late game stuff, because people who believe Mario is an easy game never played a Mario game all the way through because end game Mario gets real sometimes, but it isn't something that makes it feel like bullshit. This doesn't feel like it's like, oh, my God, it's so stupid. They made it needlessly hard. It's like, no, this is what it is. I agree. I would say that there's no gimmicks in the Path of Pain. And for most of Hollow Knight, there's not really any gimmicks when it comes to platforming. There might be a couple, but it's definitely not in the majority. Not that I remember, at least. I wouldn't say gimmicks. I would say it's more just like um, they... You got to see it once. Yeah. Like, they, they, they never give it to you at crucial moments. It isn't ever like... You're in the middle of a boss and you have to beat this one boss right here. Right now, we're going to throw new platforming sections at you. It's like new rules. Well, it's like, well, what the f- like? Uh, no, that that's not fair. That doesn't make sense. In like in Mario Maker 2, which we've both played, you know how there are some speed run levels or just whatever, whatever level. It doesn't matter. But there's just some stupid bullshit. Stupid oh. invisible blocks, gimmicks that are just this isn't fun. Like there's what's a, the point of this? There's a you know name I mean? for them. They're called Kaizo blocks. From those from Kaizo Mario, where you just that shit sucks. Yeah, where it's either you have to make a perfect pixel jump in order to avoid the block, or you just hit it and die. Hollow Knight doesn't have that kind of shit. Oh, Metroid has that too. Did you? Metroid has its own version of a Kaizo block. They're the crumple blocks you fall through. If you ever played Super Metroid, where you're running and then there's just it looks like normal floor, and then as soon as you get there, the block the floor just falls and you just fall down. Is there anything that? You know, distinctualizes them from no. any other terrain, or it's just, hey man, you just, you just have to know that they're there. The same thing with a Kaizo block or like an invisible block, it's the same thing. Because su- I hate that shit, right? At, at least, I super like, like Super Metroid won't kill you. Like, it isn't just like usually if you hit a, a, a crumple block, it's just like, oh, now you have to go all the way back up and then do the trial again. And now that you know that it's there, it's nowhere near as difficult. But Kaizo blocks, for the most part, in Mario or in Kaizo Mario, which was a mod or a ROM hack, those are literally just like jump, fall, and pit die. Jump, fall, and pit die. Jump, fall, and pit die. Like those are meant like just to mess with you. To me, that's that's just a gimmick. Would you, would you agree that it's? Oh a no, gimmick it, it's or, a gimmick. Kaizo right? blocks are one hundred percent a gimmick. The same thing with hidden blocks. Just like in general, like you've played Mario one in the first level, there's a hidden block that gives you a one up. And yeah. nobody knows it's there because in the section that it is, there's no reason to jump. So you just like, if you're like me and you have like restless hands and you're just mashing the jump button, you hit it on accident and you find something cool, you know? Yeah. And to come back to it, Hollow Knight doesn't have that type of shit. No. Which I appreciate. And maybe some other people do like that kind of stuff, but I'm not the biggest fan of that. And I like that. 
another quote Ray the or I'm not sure if it's a quote, but something that they had said, I'm gonna paraphrase, was whenever you were traversing, obviously you know how you'd buy the maps from yeah. the map dude? Uh I used and, to Conifer. Cornifer. Cornifer. Yeah. Cornifer? I think it's Cornifer. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. I was he about was to start the maps. I was about to start humming this thing from Luigi's Mansion, bro. No, no, bum, bum, wrong bum, game. Bum. Yeah. Oh god. He, he was uh he'd tell you the map and he reveals a little bit of the map to you. Yeah. Not the entire area. It's what more, it's, what, it's, it's kind of linear. Yeah, you know it's what I mean? What he knows. You know what I mean? Like yeah. how he got to where he's at and then he leaves, but you don't get all like the secret areas. Yeah. And one of the reasons they did that was they wanted to send you somewhere, but they wanted you to find interesting things to stumble your way, whether it was hidden characters, treasures, the wall, you know, typical yeah. hidden items, uh, pale ore, which is like a bitch to come by. Yeah. Um, the rancid eggs, the, the, the king symbols, uh, the, um, all the, all the, the stuff is the valuables. Right? Yeah. The little, yeah. Consumables and stuff like that. Geo? Yeah. Charms. You find some charms that way. Did you get that feeling when you were traversing this map that you know it's very it doesn't hold your hand at all? Oh no, this game where you go in there and you do you do you. I'll say the no game. You. The game doesn't really hold your hand at all. Yeah, um, it can be really cool and really frustrating at the same time, but that's the point of it. It's very old school in that sense, right? Where you just get in the game and you just start playing. Well, I th- I feel the game is super old school because for the most part. You can beat the game with the dash and the nail. Like you don't need double jump. Like double jump's not necessary to beat the game. Neither is um. There's there's other like you don't need any of the spells except for the fireball. Like that's the only spell. I think you need. I think you do need like double jump to get to certain areas. Nope. To are you really? Mm-hmm. Oh, can you do just everything with the wall and, jump and the dash? Uh, the wall jump and then your pogo, because your pogo resets your uh your dash. your dash. Yeah. So there's some areas in the game that are they're intentional. Where you can jump, pogo off of something, and then dash, and then get to an area. You mm-hmm. uh, the double jump is not technically necessary. Oh, that's neat. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah, all you need is the the double the the jump and the dash. Jump, dash, and the nail. You can beat the and the fireball. You can beat the game with those four abilities. You don't need the monarch wings. You don't need the the screech, the the downward dive. You don't need any of that. So, did you get that feeling where? You wanted to go from point A to point B. Point B being you probably don't know where that is on the map because it wasn't you don't map your stuff out till you sit on the bench. Did you get that feeling where when you're heading to the wherever it is that you wanted to go, were you stumbling across interesting stuff? Were you like, wow, like that's oh, yeah. wow, that's cool. Did you ever feel like, man, like this is kind of boring, it's kind no. of whack, this isn't that interesting? A hundred percent no. A hundred percent no. I, I loved exploring the map. I mean, the first time I ever got to Green Path, I was like, Holy shit, this is I don't know how the maps are going to get any better than this. Dude, hell yeah. I feel the same way. Yeah. And then and then you hit, like, the fungal wastes. And you're like, oh, shit. And then you hit the Mantis Village. And then, like, you just sit there. And it feels like, that's what I'm saying. When I said, like, the world feels either lived in or it feels like a natural progression of stuff. It's so fucking cool. Like, the coolest thing that they do, and I, I'm more than sure you've noticed this because I notice it all the time, is that when you're transitioning from area to area... You can see the areas bleeding into each other. Like when you're in the Queen's Path or Queen's Road and you're walking and you're about to get to Green Path, 
The closer you get to Green Path, the more shrubs you see on the map. Or when you get closer to the Fungal Wastes, you see mushrooms appear more obviously on the map. Mm-hmm. Or, or you know, like in that those general basic things. You get closer to certain areas. You get to see the influence of the other areas on the current area that you're in. And that, again, it makes the world feel natural and lived in. It doesn't feel like you're hitting loading zones into other areas. Yeah, and to further, you know, go along with your point, it feels really cool because you really don't know where you're going and you start seeing these clues on the map and the habit or the environment and stuff like that. You're like, oh, shit, this is different. Oh. I'm going somewhere. Like, I'm going to keep going. It's the game. It's good game design. It's the game telling you that you're going somewhere new without telling you you're going somewhere new. And the reason I bring this up is because this was the goal of the developers. And I'm not a developer. We're not developers. But I would assume like this must feel awesome for them right like like just think about it like this is what they want us to feel and we feel that we feel the sense of excitement of yeah man we're exploring and all this crazy shit it's like bro like this is dope that's what made metroidvania games so cool in general like not just hollow knight but any metroidvania game you've ever played if one of those things is out of place the game doesn't work like you need to have a plus movement the maps need to be really good and makes sense or at least the worlds need to feel lived in or they need to feel appropriate for what they are like castlevania those areas don't feel lived in but it's an ancient it's like a satan castle that lives in hell that appears on earth yeah it's not gonna have a normal floor plan it's not gonna obey the laws of physics but when you go into those worlds you feel like your first time in a castle you sit there like oh shit like where am I going to go? What am I going to do? And then you start going and you start doing and you feel awesome. And Hollow Knight, as well as any other Metroidvania game, should have that. Metroidvania games without those things aren't good Metroidvania games. I'm inclined to agree, Ray. Honestly, I am. Especially with the Castlevania stuff where they put you in a castle and, okay, I'm in a castle. But then when you're in the castle, you're like, this is not normal. Place it's not normal, and it's huge, man. Yeah. It is huge. Yeah, Bloodstain does that very well too. Like, um, I I just like one thing. I don't know if you were gonna plan to talk about it or not, but the lore of Hollow Knight. Oh yeah, right. I want to talk about the lore, but <sighs> before we get to the lore, yeah, because I want to end with the lore, and then after that, what we didn't like about Hollow Knight, what we thought could have used some improvements. You know, it's not a perfect game, but. It's, it's damn close, close. for me. Yeah. And then we end up with the high note. You know, I don't want to end with like, you know, some kind of negativity. But before we get to lore, I just want to talk about the gameplay real quick. In combat, combat was. Combat was a chore to get used to. Specifically to the nail or was it the whole like the cycle where you hit and to no. heal yourself? It took a while like to use your focus. And, I actually, you know? I actually enjoy that a lot. I enjoy that okay. the healing requires tact. I like that it's not mm-hmm. just like instant. Because if it was instant, it kind of just takes away from, like, the flow of a fight. At least in my opinion. Um the The knockback was something to get used to, but you can get used to that in the first area of the game. The, the big thing is, is getting used to your range. Because there was moments in time where I'm fighting a monster and I'm o- or a bug and I'm always, like, a centimeter away. Because I'm afraid I'm going to get too close or I don't know enemy patterns or so on and so forth. Especially for boss fights. Like I feel that some boss fights, your range 
is bad f- on purpose where it's meant for you to be like, oh, no, you're going to have to dash away from this. Or, hey, you're going to have to jump out of this ability. Because if your range was too long, you just sit there and just wail on him for free. And that's also what's really cool about the knockback, where it's just like, yeah, you just can't sit there and wail on stuff. You actually have to be moving. And you can't be reckless with your movement because contact does damage. So when you're fighting a boss and he's on the ground because you've done sufficient amount of damage to him and you just start wailing on him and you start walking forward to negate the knockback. If you mess up and this boss either stands up or like gets ready to start combat again, you're more than likely just going to walk into them and take damage. I did that a lot, but I think that's to give combat the feel of sword play where you just can't sit there and shoot a gun or you just can't sit there and just constantly wail at enemies. You have to like your positioning is super important. Flying enemies are a nuisance, but they're supposed to be, but they're not very healthy for the most part. So it makes sense. Um, and couple your, especially in the moments that aren't boss fights, coupling combat with movement is where the game gets, Really can get really difficult, especially in Queen's Path. Right? Am I reaching in that maybe him getting knocked back is kind of due to his size? Is that oh, a reach? Yeah. Where no, no, right? no. He's a little. He's a he's a too? little boy. He's a little boy. Little boy. No, what you're it, saying about Queen's Reach? It makes sense. Like when you're fighting the mantises that throw things at you on the platforms that disappear yeah. if you stand on them. Like that's some of the hardest stuff in the game. At least for me, it was just because you get impatient. Like you just want to sit there and wait for the enemy to do the cycle. And then you want to whack them out of the air. And then you want to sit there and wait for the cycle. But when you're when the platforms you're standing on are moving, you can't wait for a cycle. You constantly have to be moving. So you have to be aware of where you're going. You have to be aware of where the enemy's going. And then you have to be aware of your reach. So it's three things that you have to be aware of at the same time. And that's when game gets stressful. Especially um, uh, the, the, the soul. Is it the soul knight or the soul tyrant? I don't remember what it is. It's the guy who has the, it's the beetle bug that has the pointy sword that can teleport. Oh, okay. And then he has yeah. those little monsters that fight it's with him, a, the souls. The soul tyrant, yeah. Is it he soul has, tyrant? like the two ghosties flying around him. Yeah, he has a, no, 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 not that one. The soul, it's like the soul knight or whatever. He has a sword. It's not the one that just flies and shoots fireballs at you. Okay, you're not talking, I'm, I'm thinking about the mage and I think he was the soul tyrant. Yeah, because the mage was awesome. And the refight, the dream fight of that boss is sick. But um, the the knight that has the flying ability, it's another one of those fights where it isn't just, hey, you have to deal with the boss. It's like, no, there's things around you that are flying and trying to hit you. But it also works out because they give you soul. So it's just like, yeah, there are resources for you to do damage or heal. But if you're not wary of them, you're going to take damage. And those those fights are always the most fun to me where it isn't just... Wait for the boss cycle, hit the boss, wait for the boss cycle, hit the boss. Where it's like, okay, not only do I have to be aware of the boss, I have to be aware of the terrain, and I have to be aware of ads. That Those are the moments that are the most frustrating and the most rewarding when you pass. I never had the issue with the nail, and I never felt like it was too short, but that's just, that's just me. And the combat, I really like the combat because it's omnidirectional. Or at least you can go up, down, left, right when it yeah. comes to swinging your nail. And then when it comes to the the soul powers, mage powers, your you know abilities, 
I didn't use them too much, but I know they're good. They were good. I never used them because I'm I'm whack as fuck. I'm just going to hit shit with, with my sword, with my nail. I had the most fun when I'm fighting bosses and I get shit on. And okay, I, I got shit on. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to try again. And I'm going to try again. And I'm going to try again. And this goes back to what you were saying, where you have to be patient. You can't just get super beefy, become Mr. Beefy Boy, stand there and just wail on some boss and hope you can out damage him and kill him before he kills you. That's not the type of game this is. You can probably get some kind of build because you can modify the way you play in charms, which we'll talk about in a bit right after this, but you have to be patient. You have to realize that I'm, it's not the dark souls of Metroidvania or nothing like that, but you have to be patient. There's patterns. Take your time. It's okay to lose. It's okay to die. You come back, you learn, you get better. And you keep progressing. That's what I like about the combat a lot. A lot, and you have a lot of movement. Whether it's by dashing, you have your double jump, your wall jumps, your uh, what's the name of that dash, Ray? The one with where with the shadow cloak was it shadow cloak? Yeah, it's like void cloak or something like that. Void yeah. cloak, yeah. Where it finally allows you to dash through invincibility. Objects. Yeah, yeah, it gives you invincibility frames, and the, the game oh, just man. keeps opening them up as the game keeps going. And it's not like Castlevania's where you get multiple abilities and weapons which that that's kind of i wish you could get more weapons and stuff like that but it's fine the way it is because the game was you know designed about was designed with the nail in hand and not these other weapons uh i think that you get something akin to that with um the nail sage arts which are it, when you meet the three nail sages they teach you three abilities that are like uh like Mega Man. you charge them and you get your basic one, which is just a big arc slash in front of you. You get a dashing slash, and then you get a tornado slash, which is really, really cool. And I use those almost exclusively in combat after getting them. Like my, yeah, Which is cool, because I never used those. Oh, and I know man. you did, Ray. And our gameplay looked very different after I saw you play with the charge moves. Yeah, it's just so, it, like the charge moves, not only do they increase your damage by uh, a substantial amount, but... I feel that it gives you, I don't know. It's just, for me, it was a really fun way to play the game because it made me more aware of my movement, which is a weird thing to say. It was just like, okay, I have to give myself the time to charge my move. I have to, am I going to use a dash move? Am I going to use a regular slash? Am I going to use tornado slash? Like how many slashes is it going to take? It isn't like, I feel like sometimes fighting with the regular nail, it wasn't that it was mashy, but it felt like I was walking up. I was like, okay, like slash and then slash and then slash and then slash when I can just be like, well, bam, and they're dead, especially um, in the trials where you get to the Coliseum of Fools. Like, I feel that my go at the trial of the fool was way easier because no flying enemy in that trial could survive the big slash. They couldn't. You literally just charge it up as soon as they know, as soon as you know they're going to spawn, you just whack them out of the air and they're dead. There's no hitting them and they fly away and then they start shooting. No, it's just like bam, dead. And, and I don't have had to worry about on them too, right? Uh, they had a bigger hitbox, yeah. Um, the longest hitbox was the dash. The dash mm -hmm. was awesome because, uh, the, I guess like the active frames on it were longer than the shield enemy's reaction, uh, like box or spacing. So if you knew the range of your slash, you could literally dash up and slash them, walk away, dash up and slash them, walk away, dash up and slash them, walk away, and they would never react to you. 
Oh, so I, I assume they have like some kind of zone where you know when you enter this, they're they're, they're more likely to block or they're going to block, or they're more you'd say outside of the blocking range, you yeah, think? or like outside that box, or you're more they're less likely to retaliate to you. Okay, okay, okay. Because I know that especially in the city of tears, the second section, uh-huh. uh, you know the super tall bugs with the shields, yeah, um, they never ever hit me after I got the dash slash. It was literally, I was out of their range, like their cone of vision or whatever. And that's the way I played it. And I love that. And it's just really cool. Like, I don't know if it's like the Mega Man in me that I love because I played the Mega Man X the same way. I almost never shot lemons. I was always shooting the powered slash. Shout out to Eagle Raptor for lemons. I, uh, I obviously played very differently in that I would just go in there and I, like, can I get two or three slashes before I can escape? Like, one, two, three, boom. One, two, three, boom. Which, how many hits was a focus slash? About, it was, about, th- it was uh, three, I think. Three hits? It was two or three, yeah. Okay, I would like to go back and play using these because I didn't start using them until the very end, and I never modified them with charms to make them faster. Or, oh, no, I had that was my charm build. I had the, the recoil list so that when I hit something with a regular nail, I wouldn't bounce. I had the movement speed upgrade, the sprint charm, uh, and then I had the the nail does more damage the lower HP you have, and then the charge the the charge thing that lets you charge your nail arts faster. My God, I love playing the game that way, especially for like roaming the map. I gotcha. I had a lot of stuff that would amplify my damage, the range of my nail the sturdiness, etc. And the way I would play was I see the openings like you did and you would get your big hidden where I'm just like, all right, I'm going to go, you know, scratch him up, you know, yeah, 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 and, you know, go back and forth and back like that. And I really like being able to just bounce on top of the enemies because it has that, you know, kind of shovel night thing where you can just bounce on top of the enemy and stuff like that was always so fun to me. And it just feels cool. It feels like, like you can't, I don't know, like you're oh, yeah. messing with the opponent. The pogoing, I love it. Yeah, it it's um, Ducktales. It's like Ducktales when you play as Scrooge, when you play Scrooge McDuck, and he puts the cane down, and he can just bounce on enemies. I've never played Ducktales. Really? Recommend it? Oh yeah. Is I've it never... fun? Like, is it is it a good game? I, yeah. Or is it it, it's 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 a, no, it's a really solid platformer. They re-released it too in HD and in color and stuff. I I remember I remember that. I think they even got the original voice actors too. Which is really weird because the original voice actor for one of them was like ninety seven. Oh God! Yeah, I that think was it was a King Kai uh, situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, she. Uh, yeah, yeah. She was the voice of I don't remember her name, but she was the voice of uh, Rocket J Squirrel from Rocky and Bullwinkle. Wow, that is old. Oh yeah, and she was also uh, she's so many voices that I can't even just think about. She was dope. She worked all the way up until she was like ninety eight. Is she still alive? No. Oh. <laughs> she, okay. she, she, I, I don't know if she made it to 100. I'm not 100% sure. Ha ha ha. But she, yeah. It's a weird DuckTales tangent, but. I mean, that's cool to know. I, I don't know any of that shit. That's, that's neat. Yeah. It got, to me, it got me interested in the game at least a little bit. You know, I don't know if I'll go play it, but I definitely, I'm going to look it up. Yeah, yeah. I've always heard about it. You know, I've always heard that it's really good and all this kind of jazz. And I'm like, all right. It's super cool. It's a it's a very very good NES platformer because it was originally on the NES, but Hollow Knight is good. <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk about the lore. Right? Let me, let, oh, let's man. talk about the lore where 
this game, again, like Dark Souls, tells you its story through the Passages. environment. Yeah, the hunter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A lot of stuff is through the, the journal. You're yeah, right. the hunter's journal. But you you see the story that is unfolding, but a lot of what happened, like a lot of stuff that you're doing is stuff that has already happened before and it's happened oh, yeah. multiple times where you go around and you see the history that was the hollowness, that was all these different cities or not city, well, areas, areas, uh, you know, like sections, villages, I don't know what you want to call them, but areas. Yeah. Right. It, okay, it's because, <laughs> it, it, uh, you know, how, like, they're like different yeah, biomes and this is very different. It tells like this is the struggle. Like the game is the struggle between two like gods, essentially. It's the struggle between the Radiance and the Pale King, which is the Pale King was a weird. uh um, Not weird. He was a god bug, essentially. He's his giant. He was a giant worm. And he shows up in Hollow Nest, and when he gets there, he sheds his worm skin and becomes the Pale King that we see in the game. He, he's a very, very tall bug, and he glows white. So he shows up in Hollow Nest, and he civilizes it, quote-unquote. It was a bunch of different civilizations. It was the Fungal Waste. It was the Mantis. Mantises? Manti? Um, it was the Moths. And then it was like Deep Nest. Yeah, the Deep Nest is. I did he conquer or uh, civilize the Deep Nest? I think, um, or was it always kind of you know on he, the edge? It was always on the edge, but he got peace with them through Hornet, because the leader of Deep Nest won her stipulation for becoming a dreamer is that she wanted a child with the Pale King, and that was. Or that is Hornet. That's where Hornet kind of looks like a, a vessel. Mm-hmm. Like the Knight or the Hollow Knight. Speaking of Hornet, we are going to be getting Silk Song eventually. Oh, I'm so excited. Originally planned as a DLC, now it's become its own kind of standalone thing. But I'm super excited, man. If it's anything. the price of 15 bucks. So If it's anything, I'll buy it. Fuck, I'll buy it for my friends. I'll buy four of them, man. Just to get them people to play it. But like I was saying, it, it's the battle between these two entities the radiance and the pale king pale king civilizes everything and the and the radiance she ruled over the moths and moths were very like seers they 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 like lived in the dream world and they could control themselves in the dream world that's where you get a dream nail from a moth and the moths were just like yo this pale king dude is kind of sick and we kind of dig him. So they started flocking to him instead. And the Radiance was like, uh, fuck you guys. Uh, I'm going to create the infection. So she starts infecting Hollow Nest with this crap. And the Pale King gets an idea where it's like the infection cannot overtake a pure vessel. If it's before pure. We, before we oh, go on, yes. right, we should, we should uh, say that, uh, at this point, we're going to be approaching, like, you know, all this stuff. This is lore stuff. But at this point, we're going to be approaching stuff that's, you know, like, super spoiler. So uh, just I'm, keep I'm, that in mind. I'm going to, the... I'm just going to, I'm going to ball it up real quick right here. I'm not going to go into, like, the lore of everything. But you, she, yeah, the Pale King finds out that if you have a pure vessel, a being with no emotion, that the infection can't you know, corrupt you, can't infect you. 
So he creates with the White Lady, who's his queen, who is another god entity. And they make all these babies. And then they, I don't know if they corrupt them with the void or if they're made of the void. But it's essentially a bunch of knights, like the Hollow Knight or the character you play. And they're creating, they're attempting to create a pure vessel in order to trap the infection and they succeed, quote unquote. And the failing of the binding of the infection is where you start the game. And that's as much as I'm going to give you because there's people on the internet that explain this way better than me. And uh, they do the game absolute justice but if you're into lore if you like i i can't explain it because i love lore i like lore in every aspect video games anime so on and so forth so this is always cool i did it Weicho. i punched my microphone i mean we, we got to get at least one per episode one per episode but yeah man I, I know that you said that you'd wanted to talk about stuff that we the some of our our negatives of the game yeah uh before we get to that, I do want to talk, just talk about real quick where uh, Ray is our lore guy. If you want to know about lore, Ray's going to hook you up with the lore. If I know. Yeah, if you know. I can tell you how the lore is presented to you, but when it comes to the actual lore itself, Ray is our lore guy. So, Ray, when it does come to the... the what are the bad things that you did not like about Hollow Knight that you wish either were fixed, removed, or just, you know, weren't a fan of? Because I got a couple, but... Man, I, I I don't know. I It's been a while since I've actually played the game. Like I, The last time I played it was like a month ago to do the Path of Pain and the Trot of the Fool. Yeah. Man, um, man, it's difficult. I can't really come up with anything off the top of my head. What, what are, what are yeah. your complaints to see maybe if I can agree with you? Yeah. Um, so first of all, the biggest thing to me was it's stuff that it doesn't make the biggest difference. Honestly, at the end of the day, it's very minuscule stuff and it doesn't matter. But to me, it's a bigger deal than most where I'm upgrading my nail. And when I do upgrade my nail, there is a visual representation of what it now looks like in its upgraded state in um, your, yeah. when you open up your menu. But when I go back in game, my nail still looks the same as when I first started the game. There's no visual changes to your character. No. At all. <laughs> Other and than other than when you use the abilities, your movement abilities. Yeah. So you can't see the monarch wings, but when you jump, you'll see the monarch wing mm-hmm. give you the double jump, which is cool. Yeah. And I would say like those are just there's stuff that's on top of the character, not really added to the character, if you know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I get you. And to me, that's a big thing because I'm agreeing to myself and I would love to see a visual representation of all of this stuff that I'm working for, the pillar. You know how hard it was to get that kind of stuff. And I would have loved to have seen the nail progress visually as well as opposed to just progressing via how much damage you do and that's a big thing to me and also another complaint not a complaint but something that i wish they had is more variety where the game is a long game i would say for most people it's going to be over 25 hours long maybe 30 took me 36 there's not too much variance when it comes to combat in that your weapon your nail is the same you get those nail arts there's three but they're optional. It's not really like yeah, and they're optional. Necessary, yeah. Where if I'm playing Castlevania and other games like these, there's so many different weapons and abilities, and sometimes I get it because they present you with a lot. 
and a lot of it's kind of useless, but you have those options. And I'm not asking, give me 50 abilities. Give or me give me a railgun or some shit. Yeah, yeah, that's not what I want. I, but I would like, you know, give me a lance. Give me three weapons. An three. axe or something, yeah. Like you know, it doesn't have to be more than five. Thing. Yeah, it could be three. And that's all I would ask for because to me, that makes me want to play the game even more. It gets me more excited for doing another playthrough or just... Uh, different runs with different abilities. Yeah, because... I like the nail. The nail's cool, but I would like to switch it up and change it up. And charms can do that, but you don't get too much from the charms. Not enough to completely change the way you play the game where having a weapon would do that or a different weapon would do that for me. And that's just one. That's the biggest thing to me. I have one complaint that I just thought of. I really wish your icon on the map was not tied to a charm. That's one thing that bugged me, bugged me the whole fucking game. Where I'm like, where, like, like, where am I? I it is know. a game about bugs. No, I get it. No, no, but it's. Just, I I know it bugged you, but it is a game about bugs. Oh man, shut up! <laughs> I, I, like, I I hated it. I I it was super annoying that I would I had like two not two different sets, but like I had different charms for different things. Which, in hindsight, is almost cool until it's just that one thing where it's like, oh, like, do you know where you are on the map? It's like, no. Like, I, I could turn it off eventually, but that was like hour 26 when I'd already, I I knew the map. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't have to guess. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed not, uh, I, I... Uh, sorry, I did not enjoy um, certain, uh, what's it called, uh, certain areas of the map initially where it doesn't tell you what your boundaries are, the the spikes that you can't pogo off of, the orange spikes that stick up out of the ground, mm-hmm. it tells you nothing that you can't bounce off of them because almost every other con- like thing you've run into you can bounce off of until those and you never get the ability to do that you just don't and the first time I encountered them I died to it because I was like yeah I'll just bounce off of them duh and then I hit the wall and died and I was upset for way too long the more you know nah, nah. just like ha 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 bodied like, okay yeah and I don't know, Ray. Uh, I also didn't like that your location on the map was tied to a charm. I felt like, eh, is that not what they, I just said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I'm, okay, I'm going okay, along okay. with you. Like, I also didn't like that. Okay, I thought I was taking crazy pills. I'm like, oh no. No, no. I was saying I also didn't like that because it made it so your notches, which are valuable you know, early. Yeah, your notches, which, you know, that determines uh, your limitations as to how many charms you could put. Each charm has a different value of notches. You always had to have one being used for that unless you're very confident about where exactly you are, which I wasn't. Which didn't happen until way later in the game for me. I'm yeah, talking like, again, hours into the game, end game level status. And then I was like, I can I can take that off. <laughs> it might feel cool. Like, you definitely get a cool feeling where I don't need this anymore. Uh, I know I've where graduated I graduated from this. But I also would have preferred it if I didn't have to waste some of my notches to know where I am on the map. Yeah, that's kind of it's kind of doo doo, a little bit doo doo. But those were the only complaints I'd have. I don't know if you have any more than that, Ray. No, I I, I can't really um, 
sometimes some of the open-endedness get, got kind of confusing where it's just like, oh, I need the double jump for this. And it's like, well, if you're good, you don't. I'm like, well, I'm not good. So I need it. It's like, but uh, no, man, I have like, this is, this game's a plus 10 out of 10 for me. I would say if you've ever liked a Metroidvania game uh, in the kind of super Metroid or symphony of the night, and you haven't played this game or heard of this game, you should definitely pick it up. Or if you're trying, if you find this podcast and you're trying to get back into video games after a long hiatus, give this one a shot, man. It's 15 bucks. You can buy it on almost every platform available, and it's good. This game is great. I love this game so much. I have played to it. I have played it three times. Third time, I try to do everything possible. I still have to go back and fight the super, super hard versions of the bosses, which I don't know if I want to, but at this point, I feel like I kind of have to because, I mean, fuck it. Why not? Um, I did want to end the whole thing talking about something positive about Hollow Knight. You know, I don't want to end with us just, you know, talking about, you know, complaining about some of the things that we didn't like. So I want to ask you, what was something that happened in the game that gave you that feeling where like, wow. Cause for me, it was going into the city of tears. The music starts up, which this game has amazing, amazing music, by the way. It's, it's fantastic. Was going into down the elevator into the city of tears and just like holy shit, this is dope. I had I had one that made me uh like I don't want to say sad, but I, I got I got emotional. Mm-hmm. Was finding out and this is lore, and I'm gonna spoil this because it deserves to be spoiled. It's fucking cool. It's at the end of the path of pain. It's when you see the moment that the Hollow Knight becomes an impure vessel. When he's training with the Pale King and the Pale King looks at him and they look at each other. And then you realize the reason he's not a pure vessel anymore is because he loved the Pale King. Pale King was his dad and he loved him. And that's what made him an impure vessel. And that fucking kicked me in the ass, man. It really did. It was. I remember when I passed the path of pain and I'm like, Ray, you've got to you got to play this because there's a neat little quip at the end where. I know you being the lore here that you are are gonna be like this is gonna yeah. be fantastic, but I I'm not gonna say anything here at the end because Ray already said it. Like buy this game, buy this game for your buddies. Ray, do tell the people what we're gonna get next week though. Oh, next week uh, it's gonna be episode two of this twin series. Uh, we are going to speak. We're gonna be talking about another Metroidvania game called Bloodstained: Ritual of the Night. It was created by Artplay Games. It was distributed by, I believe, 505 Games. And uh, is made by the legendary game producer Koji Igarashi, who gave us uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. And a lot of the the Castlevania Metroidvania games uh, that there's a lot to name, and I'll talk about them next time. But... If you're down for that, come like listen because it's gonna it's gonna be good. Bloodstained Ritual of the Night's a good game. It's gonna be great. Ray's gonna take that over to uh, next week. He's gonna fucking he's gonna be our boy for that. He's gonna and he's gonna I'm gonna ask questions. Y'all probably gonna have questions. He's gonna have answers for us. Look forward to it. And I think that's it, Ray. I that's it from us, right? Yeah, I believe so. Right. I'll we'll talk to you guys later. Y'all take it easy, man. Peace. Peace. <laughs>